We are good to go. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. Here we go. Back with you, I'm Matt. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. Hour two started off with you here on this Friday. You have made it. You have made it to the weekend, basically. I mean, it's the afternoon on a Friday. Okay, so you have basically made it to the weekend. That deserves a round of applause. All right, uh, a lot of ground covered in the first hour. Here in hour two, coming up, uh, a couple things. A couple things on the media front, because if you're a sports fan, you interact with and engage with sports media, obviously, and a couple things I want you to be aware of. Um, Full-on NFL preview. I'm really excited to watch uh, the divisional rounds this weekend. Chiefs on the road, in the snow, in Buffalo. And uh, anything could happen. I'm just telling you, anything can happen. Teams like that. Really interested to see what the Lions are going to do. Of course, the 49ers look better than everybody else. But, hey, it's a playoff. Strange stuff. Strange stuff. And you got uh, basketball this weekend. Ole Miss on the road. Stayed at home. And so we'll preview some of that. But I want to come back to your text, okay? Let's, let's continue on with your feedback on this free-for-all Friday. As I sip on a little hot coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany, Mississippi. It is the best. (laughs) Have I steered you wrong? No. Well, then go there. Highpointroasters.com. Or if you're ever in New Albany, they're on Highway 15. They, They got a new location. So maybe call them first. So I'm not sure if they've already moved uh, in yet. It's just up the road on the same road, Highway 15 in New Albany. All right. Bama fan texted the show and said, Matt, I was looking at the Alabama roster yesterday. They have a lot of talent on that roster, even with the kids that have entered the transfer portal. I mean, you're exactly right. Okay. It's not, you know, that they are, I mean, they are, they are in no way Void of talent. Just because a place like Alabama has three five-star players and 14 four-star play, former four-star players leave off their roster, right? So what are we now, 19? No, no, 17 total fours and fives, former fours and fives. I mean, that's a big total. Like I said, what they have leaving in terms of recruiting ranking, they are saying, the ones who cover that stuff, are saying would have been a – a very highly ranked recruiting class. You know how all that goes. Uh, just reading somebody's tweet a little bit. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, they still are, are loaded down with talent. They, they absolutely are. The fact is, every single class, every single year, Saban and staff were bringing in a bigger, better overall group of players than DeBoer was bringing in at Washington. He's still about to coach a much more talented overall, top to bottom, first string through third string, and all special teams, talented roster than the one he coached overall like that at Washington. They had some top-end stuff at Washington, very good, no question. But they stacked them up the way Alabama did? No. 
But see, that's the thing about it, Bama fan. And when you, to me, on the outside looking in, you know, if I explain it, if I if I describe it this way, if I set it up this way, you probably, as an Alabama fan, would agree with this. The combination, what he's facing, the combination coming up this year in the next few years of one. Bama expectations. So I would ask you this, Bama fan on the Country Pleasing text line. Give me a fair answer. Text me back if I ask this question. What are your expectations of that football program going forward? What are your expectations? What do you expect them to do? Wins and losses this year and the next year and the year after that. Okay, so when you answer that honestly, we know what the expectation is in Alabama. Whether Saban's coaching there or not, this is the Alabama fan base we're talking about here. And then the throng of media to go along with it. The expectation in Alabama, okay, paired with the first time you had turnover in how many years? 16 years. Paired with what is, in comparison to what they have dealt with, it is a mass exodus of players. They've not, they've had players leave, not like this. Okay. All those things, to me, make it really hard for him to succeed. And then let's define that. What is, how do you define succeeding for, for DeBoer at Alabama? How do you define that? Answer me that one, too. Uh, unnamed Texter said, no, this is Jamie. Jamie said, Alabama fans will blame Saban if they have a bad season. I don't know about that. I don't know about that one. Why? Because players transfer. And we got to see how all that plays out, right? Uh, Tyga, with two H's, texts the show and said, good afternoon, Matt. I am loving the meltdown in Tuscaloosa. It said, in 2020, when LSU had the COVID year and Coach O was fired in the middle of the season, we had to play a bowl game with 38 players. 38 players, goodness. I mean, 2020 seems like a lifetime ago. It says, most 1A private schools have more players than that, but there was no outrage by national media. Nobody cared, but now that it's happening to Alabama... People are crying about it. I hope they don't make a bowl game for the next 50 years. And <laughs> tell us how you really feel, Tiger. Well, you know, um, to the truth of some of the things you're saying there, there really has been a, a an emotional sort of reaction to this thing at Alabama from certain levels of the media out here sports media out here, that is unlike the way they've treated it at other schools, right? Now, it is different. We, You know, Tiger, you can admit that, right? This is Nick Saban in Alabama. They have not just been good. They have dominated this whole sport, it seems like, for, for 15 years, a decade and a half. Constant playoff appearances, constant national championships, constant Heismans, constant everything, you know, first-round draft picks, as much or more so than anybody else. So that is different. I, I get it. But when other teams have had coaching changes or stuff happen, and 
there have been a lot of transfers here or there because of it. It hasn't really been treated the same. And that is true. That's just the truth of it. Unnamed texter agreeing, says, Matt, I agree 100%. It's not NIL and has gone to pay for play. He says, if you remember when this was sold, it was to help the D1 athletes who didn't have time to work a part-time job like a non-athletic student would. This text says, it was never intended, at least in the beginning, for college players to get millions of dollars. A college degree doesn't even enter in it anymore. Well, listen. How dumb do people have to be? All right, let, let's, and I know you and I, we're not standing here right now having any kind of debate about right or wrong, good or bad, okay? We're, we're accepting it as is what it is. I mean, if we want to have a debate about right or wrong and what's good and bad of all this, we could do it, but that's not what we're doing right now. We're saying, okay, it's pay for play. Everybody's paying players to p- play. And the more you have to pay, the better players you get to play. <laughs> right? So, I mean, look out there again. Who, who's got the number one transfer portal class in America right now? It's Texas A&M. I mean, what's the common deal there? They got more money to spend on it than anybody else. There it is. It does not always equate into winning it all. But that's what we have. We have a pay-for-play system, straight up, unadulterated pay-for-play, and you're right. It sort of makes a mockery of the whole education part of it. But again, let's go back to what you said. You said in the beginning it was sold this particular way. It was to help them. They can't have a job and all this. And this is not what it's intended for. And I've heard that before. But let's look at the reality. Let's go back. Whether it was a lawyer who wanted to take these things to court in their local states, whoever was behind that, whether it was lawmakers who wanted to support it, on those grounds that you said, you know, giving them a way to make a little extra cash because they couldn't, whatever it was. I mean, anybody who who believed it, that it would be something that would be, they could just go out and market if they had a big name in their local community or however it was. You know, anybody who believed that that's how it would be used, let alone sold it that way to other people, I mean, how dumb do you have to be? Have you ever watched or paid? You could go back to when all this came along, the pay-for-play stuff. They called it NIL. You go back to the very first time you ever heard it, okay, the very first meeting, the very first courtroom, the very first, you know, commissioner's meeting they ever had. Get in your time machine, go back, and just look at them and say, like, how dumb do you have to be? You know good well what's going to happen. I mean, you know what this is. You're going to, it's basically, you're going to open a door to anybody that wants bad enough for that four-star recruit or that five-star transfer to come to their school is going to just load them up with cash. I mean, what else you think was going to happen? How dumb and gullible did you have to be? So, to those, I'm not saying to you, but to those people, that's what I would say is, 
what is the point in now in, in even complaining about or saying, well, in the beginning, this is not, you know, this is not what it was intended to be when we first started talking about and I intended to be. Have you been living under a rock since the 1980s when SMU got the death penalty? Since 2000, when, you know, Alabama just got leveled because they gave a kid in Memphis $200,000 and people started getting killed and stuff over it? Seriously, that is a true story. No exaggeration. Look it up. I mean, like, where you been if you thought, <laughs> well, this is only going to be, hey, it won't get exploited. There were actual living, breathing Media, mushy-headed media people with Twitter accounts, now X, but it was Twitter then, okay, and platforms and followers with two sides of a functioning brain who were actually trying to sell you the idea that this quote-unquote NIL thing would not be a problem, it would not be exploited, and everybody was blowing it out of proportion, and it would really only benefit two to three athletes a year across the country that had a big enough name to market something. They actually, I'm not making it up. You can go back and find it. Go back and find it. They're on there. They didn't even delete it. Not ashamed of how stupid they were. How dumb did you have to be to believe that that's what it was going to be? The word From the word go, anybody who has followed college athletics knew what it was going to be. It was going to be full-on sprint to the ATM. Now, to anybody out there, you might be a college athlete yourself right now at this very moment, getting money every month or every year, however that works. You may be a family member of a college athlete who has really benefited financially and otherwise. Like I told you, I know those people too. I have um, a, a good friend, not in this state, but in another one, who uh, has a child that's a big-time D1 athlete. And uh, my friend and his wife, they follow him all over the you know place and watching him play and everything. And he told me in a conversation, he said, man, this, this NIL thing is real. He said, that's certainly, because I was talking about the cost that it takes to travel to follow and watch him play. He said, yeah, but the NIL thing really is real. He said, it's gotten to the point where, and he, he referenced his, his child. He said, it's gotten to the point where they're like, hey, look, mom, dad, let me know if you need anything. <laughs> He's like, because I got it. So I'm not saying this is not an attack on, any, on, on the people, on the, like players, parents, whatever, who are cashing it in, which they absolutely are. It's not an attack on that. It's what this is, is an attack on anybody who now, sitting here right now, is bemoaning all of it, who at the beginning of this a few years ago was trying to sell it and support it. You can't do both. Now, if you were complaining about it then, feel free to complain about it now because you're right. If you're selling it now, and believe in it 100%, it's all positive for everybody involved, and you're selling it as positive now, and you were doing the same thing then, feel free, go ahead, you're consistent. What you can't do is sit here now and go, well, it was never supposed to be this way. It was only intended for 
Really? It, it, you couldn't say something dumber about all of this if you're a media member. And boy, they tried. <laughs> I mean, they tried. And anybody with half of a functioning noggin could see it from a mile away. And I will include myself in that number of people that had a half of a functioning noggin <laughs> that could see it from a mile away. Now, speaking of your mushy-headed media, I want to give you two examples. You can't be dumb forever and get by. Eventually, it will catch up to you. Okay. Uh, first example here. Sports Illustrated's publisher lays off entire staff. Future, unclear. It's called the Arena Group. They publish Sports Illustrated now. They recently missed a $2.8 million payment uh, to Sports Illustrated's license holder, which is called Authentic. And today they have laid off every single solitary employee under the Sports Illustrated banner. It is a media company that has been in existence for 70 years. Laid every last one of them off. I firmly believe, and, and here's a statement that may fly in the face of what you think you're seeing out there in the media landscape, but I still firmly believe you will not survive in media unless you tell the truth. You'll pay that piper at some point. It may not be when everybody think you, think you should, but at some point you have to pay that piper. Here's another one, another media example. Um, this is from Shannon Terry. He is the founder of On3. He's the former founder of 24-7. He has a knack for starting uh, great, big, I mean, fully staffed. He is a, he is a business genius is what he is. Uh, media services covering recruiting, and then he'll sell it, cash in, and then start another one. Sell it, cash in, start another one. Uh, he's a genius when it comes to that. Now, he tweeted something here with a link to, to kind of back it up. It said, landing a big-time recruiting class isn't what it used to be. A whopping 31% of five-star players from 2020 to 23 have entered the transfer portal. Now, what does that mean? Why am I telling you that? Listen, listen close. The numbers, you know, they come across like this, like the Charlie Brown teacher on the radio a lot of times. That's the way it does for me. I start hearing numbers and I just check out. But listen, 20, 21, 22, 23. A four-year, four classes, four-year cycle of recruiting, and 31% of the five-star players over four years have all transferred at least once. Yet, and now here's why I'm telling you, here's the, here's the reason I'm telling you this. I sat right here on this show and have said a couple of times over the last couple of years, when people call in and they start asking me about recruiting. And what has been my response? Uh, it's a waste of my time. I'm not going to waste my time with it. 
we'll sit here on, you know, you want me in December after signing day to sit here and carry on a two-hour conversation with you about who landed who and who signed who and who's on the roster, who's on the signing list for State and who's on the signing list for Ole Miss and who's on the signing list for Alabama, okay? When this is just five stars. We're not even talking about fours and threes. 31% of five stars have transferred at least once. What would be the point in discussing recruiting rankings? Explain that to me. Now, you've heard that rant before of why would anyone actually pay attention to, let alone pay for, somebody talking to them about recruiting in this environment of college athletics? Explain that to me. You can't justify it. Whatever they feed you in terms of a recruiting ranking in football, in basketball, in baseball, whatever they feed you at any time, the day of signing, two days after signing, or a week after signing, or a month after signing day, whatever you're fed from these services, it's going to be different. Give it a day or two. It won't hold up. Why would you waste your time with that? And that's from a guy who, he runs these businesses, he is a business genius, and he's just flat out just admitting it. It's like he's got his hand up going, hey, we make a living by charging you $8 a month so that you'll come read recruiting info and rankings from us. Meanwhile, none of it's accurate. They're all transferring. Even the five stars at an unprecedented rate. Why would you pay for that? Just getting started in hour two on this Friday. Run and tell them I said it. Stick around. All right, back with you in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. All right, let's see. Uh, country, please, and text line. Number to text is 885-3776. That's a 601 number, 885-3776. Uh, Big Mike texts the show, said the players have to pay taxes on NIL money like self-employed taxes, which is higher than regular taxes. And believe me, I know. Um, Big Mike says that they are. So so when you think about that, um, meaning then each state's tax laws, so you're going to have federal taxes and state taxes, and therefore each state's tax laws are going to factor into this also, which is really interesting to think about, isn't it, Mike? And thanks for the info. It's really interesting to think about because like a couple of, you know, very much contrasting examples. Take California versus Texas. We all know that, you know, Texas, you know, humongous population, huge tax, tax base, very lenient. Was that the right word? Uh, state tax laws. I think Florida also maybe. Is that another one? Okay, but California, on the other hand, like has the worst set of state tax laws for individuals of anywhere in the country. Like they're going to get more of your money 
off the top than anywhere else in the country. And so what has happened over the last few years, right, big celebrities and billionaires and everybody else moving away from California for that reason, among others, and moving to Texas. Okay, so that would just be one thing to factor in. And if you go track the NIL stuff all the way back, it really was California passed the law first. Remember that? They should be able to get paid. And it sort of opened up. Well, because of the competitiveness of college sports, you had places like, you know, Texas and Alabama and LSU and Florida and all going, hey, man, look, uh, you realize California is going to start opening up where they can just, you know, pay for play cash to their players. And that's going to help them recruit against us. You realize that, don't you? We cannot allow that to happen. It's the competitiveness, the competitive advantage deal that all it took was one state to do it, and the rest of them were like, we have to do it now because we're so competitive in college football and basketball, we can't allow someone to have a recruiting advantage. I mean, that's what opened it up. Well, so because of the whole recruiting deal, think about it now. This is, what, two, three years in a row where Texas A&M has had the the number one transfer class, they go out and spend more money on bringing in players every year. They may lose them, but they bring them in. In this pay-for-play era, and I guarantee you, they have to be using that as a part of the sales pitch, don't they? Hey, listen, man. In Texas, you don't pay as many. You know, your your tax rate is much lower. You realize that, right? Like in our state, you come play for us. That's one thing. Whatever your NIL deal is. It's only, I mean, I'm just throwing out round numbers. Here. Like it's on, it's like a self-employment state tax is only what? Let's just say, ten percent in Texas. It's forty, forty-five percent. It's almost half in California. You, I mean, you need to come here. <laughs> Same as employment. I mean, that's why you have two sides of the aisle politically that always argue that stuff. Take Mississippi for example. You know, we're gonna. Yet some people are like, you know, we don't need to have state tax. We need to open it up completely, make it as advantageous as we possibly can to get people here and bring their businesses here. And then the other side says, what? Well, we can't afford to do it for free. And then the other side's like, yeah, well, you can always vote in another law down the road. It'd be a lot harder for them to leave if they've got a factory down here versus keeping them away. To begin with. Now, okay, I know I'm chasing a rat, but you get the point. The whole competitive advantage deal. Really interesting. Big Mike, thanks for the info. Now, in regards to the Alabama transfers, Lyle says Alabama's depth will take a hit. Well, Lyle, I think we have to wait and see what they are able to do in bringing players in. So they're losing a bunch with the coaching turnover, but they will have the ability to bring players in. It's just who are they and where are they from? Now, I do think if you do some reading and some checking, the Southeastern Conference has some like internal rules about poaching players from other SEC schools after a certain day, like during a certain time. Like you get past spring, you can't do it. So, I, you know – that makes it a little tougher. It just makes it tougher in terms of getting players from other SEC teams. Uh, LSU texts the show, says, 
All of these factors, coaching change, exodus of players, are only going to up the pressure on Brian Kelly. <laughs> right? Like, you can't go out there and lose to Alabama. <laughs> Not this go-around, right? That is a good point. I hadn't looked at it from an LSU perspective. But I think there's some truth in that. Uh, Carlos texts the show and says, I wonder if they get paid once a month per game, lump sum. Who knows? It's a mess. Yeah, that I don't know. I would guess that those those different NIL deals are probably like snowflakes. And they're all different in one shape, form, or fashion. The deal is there just has to be, there has to be some sort of, at some point in the future, a contractual agreement between the parties. You just, I mean, there has to be. You know, a person can do anything they want to do with their own money. Nobody can tell you what to do with it. And as a fan of a school, if you decide you're going to be in on that, you're going to, you know, give to the pile of money that you're going to use to try to, you know, pay the players and fund the roster, it's your money. You can do what you want to with it. It just seems to me, I mean, you got to have some sort of, if I, it's like if I pay you to wash my car, you got to wash the car. <laughs> or let's put it this way. You, I'm not saying you have to give me the world's best car wash. You just got to wash it. <laughs> right? And if you don't, I want my money back. And, you know, if we step into this business relationship deep enough, we're going to have some sort of written agreement that not only will it protect you, but it'll protect me too. That just makes sense. And so I remember four years ago, a coach looking me square in the eye and saying, at some point, they're going to have contracts. I was like, like like pros? He's like, yep. No. Yep. Yeah. Well, are you ready for a little football this weekend? I know I am. In the league, see, back in the old days, WFAN in New York, Mike Francesa there uh, on his show, kind of an iconic radio show and radio guy, he used to do his NFL stuff, and he'd go, now it's time to talk about the league where they pay for play. I guess... It doesn't just apply to the NFL anymore. Okay, you have Texans-Ravens tomorrow, 3.30 Central. It'll be on ESPN-ABC. Baltimore, they and San Francisco have been the best teams in the NFL this year. They're a huge favorite, about 10 points. One frustrating postseason streak is going to come to an end. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. 0-2 in the divisional round. He's thrown one touchdown pass, three interceptions in the playoffs. The Texans are 0-4 in the divisional round. And have uh, the times they've reached it, they've lost by an average of two touchdowns, 14 points in terms of their, their loss. So, in other words, either Lamar Jackson – or the Texans is going to get their first ever win in the divisional round. Uh, and I just, I'll be honest with you, I can't wait to watch it. You know, I know it's AFC, and I've been rooting for the Chiefs for a long time, and 
and we're fat and happy with Super Bowl trophies here recently and all this. This seems like sort of icing on the cake for the fans. <laughs> and, you know, really excited about the game in Buffalo. But, man, it, it's impossible for me to root against the Houston Texans. I mean, their coach, D'Amico Ryans, I got to meet D'Amico Ryans several years ago at Northeast Mississippi Community College in, in Boonville. He was uh, running a summer camp for kids. This was right after he had gotten finished at Alabama. Great guy, just as genuine and down-to-earth as they come. And, you know, Call it what it is, but look, the guy is a born-again Christian believer in Jesus. He's outspoken about it. It's a part of every step he takes. It's impossible. You know, I just I, I, I love watching him. I love watching their team. The turnaround there in Houston is amazing. And then, obviously, a big part of it is because of C.J. Stroud, this rookie quarterback, who he's another one that for – you know, for Christians all over the place, he's an inspiration, man. He's a born-again Christian, believer in Jesus. He is outspoken about it, never shies away, looks at the football thing as second to his um, ministry, basically. And so I'm pulling for these guys, man. And not that the other teams, you know, it's football. It's just a football game. But I just like those guys. <laughs> so... Um, Texans Ravens. That's the first one up. 3:30 Central tomorrow. There's obviously other games, and I'll hit on those coming. Do the seven seed Packers have any chance whatsoever at the 49ers tomorrow night? That and more, and we'll wrap things up next. I'm Matt. Stick around. Ready to talk sports the Mississippi way with you. So get in on the conversation and tell him what you think. You know, some days it just works out. And this was one of those days where I had a certain amount of coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany in my thermos. A certain amount that just turned out to be just the right amount to keep hot coffee in the cup and pour the last little bit into the cup right here for the last segment of the day, for the last segment of the week. Is it not a big deal? <laughs> Sometimes things just work out. All right, uh, get your texts in. Phone line's open to you. Call me on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. The oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., in fact, means they've been doing it better, longer than anyone else right here at home at Divinity. Number to call, 897-1059. It's a 601 number, 897-1059. More NFL. And, and on that note, how about this from White Denzel on the Country Pleasing text line. He says, no team has ever lost to Kirk Cousins in the regular season. And then made the Super Bowl in the same year. Oh, by the way, the 49ers and Packers both lost to Cousins this year. Well, it would have been early, though, right? Okay, so seven-seed Packers at 
Top seed had a week off last week with the bye 49ers. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, 7.15 Central Time, it'll be on Fox. Just like one seed Baltimore, uh, the Ravens are a a 9.5 point favorite over uh, the Texans. 49ers are a 9.5 point favorite over the Packers in this game. All right, an NFL record 10th playoff meeting between these two teams, Niners-Packers. It is slightly in the 49ers' favor, 5-4. to four. Okay, so 49ers have a 5-4 advantage all time. So Packers win tomorrow night. Not only is it a humongous upset, but they even the all-time series in the playoffs 5-5. The 49ers have won six straight NFC divisional round playoff games. That is the longest active streak in the NFL. And I guarantee you, White Denzel, you love NFL trivia. I guarantee you, if I had asked you, without you looking it up, if I would asked you that question before pointing this out, you would have said the Chiefs. I would have too. If I would have said, who owns the longest active streak in the NFL of division round playoff wins? At six straight, you'd have said Chiefs. I would too. We'd have both been wrong. It's the 49ers. Super Bowl, come on. Streak of six straight. It's pretty impressive, right? Here's another thing, too. Okay, the winner of this game is either going to take a, uh, or the title, or a share of the title of winningest team in postseason history. So whoever wins this game, you're right up there. Winning his team in NFL history. The Packers are tied with the Patriots at 37 postseason wins. So if the Packers pull the upset, they're in first place. If the 49ers win, they'll have 37 and then be tied with Green Bay and New England all-time playoff wins. I am fascinated to watch that game tomorrow night. And Brock Purdy, tell you what, Mr. Irrelevant, he's not irrelevant now, is he? By the way, did you see that stat where all of the quarterbacks remaining in the playoffs are all in their 20s? You don't have a single 30 and up in the playoffs at quarterback. And Brock Purdy is another one. I mean, he is steadfast, feet on the ground, Believer, born-again believer in Jesus, and will tell you straight to your face. All you got to do is ask him. All right. Then we go to Sunday. So the early game on Sunday is Bucks lions It's in Detroit. It's indoors. <laughs> By the way, did y'all see that little uh, fiasco last weekend in Tampa after the Bucks beat the Eagles to advance in the playoffs and Todd Bowles, the head coach, who he's phenomenal too, by the way. <laughs> he's at the podium in the postgame as the Buccaneers head coach, and he's taking questions, and there was a reporter in there who, like, she's asking a kind of going through a little lead-up to her question, and she said, will you do anything different this week to handle – and prepare for the tough weather conditions that you're going to see when you get to a place like Detroit with the winters and the temperatures they have being so much different here in Tampa. And he kind of got this look on his face, and he goes, well, you you do realize they they play indoors up there, right, in a dome? (laughs) 
he handled it well without embarrassing anybody. It was kind of bad. I'm like, come on now. Come on now. So they'll be indoors. Uh, yeah. All right. Two o'clock on Sunday, 2 p.m. Sunday on NBC. The Lions are about a touchdown favorite at home. Now, I don't know who's on what's, I mean, how, you know, momentum is on whose side in this. I don't really know. But last week, that was the Lions' first playoff win in 32 years. I mean, you realize that? <laughs> 32 years. What's that? So let's count it up. The last, that means the last time prior to this past weekend that the Lions won a playoff game, Dak Prescott had not been born. I don't think. Or maybe he had just barely. <laughs> uh, okay, so they're going to host their first NFC divisional round appearance since the 91 playoffs. They met earlier this year. Okay, and the Lions beat them in Tampa 20 to 6. So they've seen each other. And you both, you know, you got two number one quarterbacks. Uh, Mayfield was taking number one Cleveland. Goff was taking number one Rams. Now they sort of revitalizing their careers at new places. So that's sort of your whole deal right there. Um, Lion, the, the Lions are easy to pull for. Just call it, call it what it is. The Lions are easy to pull for. It's kind of like, it's. I mean, not to the same degree, but it's almost like uh, we were watching the Cubs, you know, a few years back. Okay, and then Sunday night, this will wrap up the weekend. Sunday night, Chiefs at Bills. It's a three and a two. It is a Sunday night, well, evening, 5.30 Central Time is when it'll kick. It'll be 6.30 Eastern up there, so it'll be dark. Uh, it's on CBS. The Bills are about a field goal favorite at home. And here's what you're going to watch for Sunday night. For the first time since these two teams and these two quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, have been going at it. We've seen all these great, great, great games. Easy for me to call them great, right, because the Chiefs have always won them, particularly in the postseason. But for the first time, the Chiefs are on the road in the playoffs, and they're at Buffalo in a playoff game. And the playoffs has always been in Kansas City. Now, these two guys, Mahomes and Allen, they've played each other six different times. The Bills have won three of the four regular season meetings that they've met, Mahomes and Allen. The Chiefs have won both of the postseason meetings. That was in 20 and then 21. That 21 game was just was one of the best games I've ever seen. Now, the difference in the regular season postseason deal is has been defense, you know. You look at it, points, totals, that sort of thing. The Bills have always had a little bit better chance of defending Kansas City in the regular season. They get in the playoffs, and Kansas City has just gone off and has averaged like 40 points when they played them in the playoffs. And like you say, it's always been in Kansas City. And those Kansas City offenses of the past two in those playoff games have been a little different. You're talking about a you had a few more weapons. You had a healthy Travis Kelsey. You had a healthy... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire one year. You had Tyreek Hill one year. You don't have any of that, really, uh, this year. It just has the, again, it has the look of it ought to be the Bills' year. 
they're at home. They really are the more healthy team. Really have been the better team throughout the year. But it's just like we said last week. You know, you watch you watch the Chiefs. It's Andy Reid and it's Patrick Mahomes. And there's really no amount of out coaching somebody that would surprise you on the part of Andy Reid or just out, <laughs> you know, improvising somebody that would surprise you on the part of Patrick Mahomes. And I've said it all year. The Chiefs have reached a point where you've been to three Super Bowls, you got two in your pocket with this quarterback, and they've reached a point where they don't have to be the best team in the NFL throughout the regular season for you to feel like they've got a chance to win it all. All they have to do is get in the playoffs. You don't feel like they have to be at home for them to have a chance to go win it. They just got to be in the play, and here they are. And if they get hot, you know, certainly I would think the conditions helped them last week a little bit against uh, the Dolphins, but similar, not to the same degree, literally figuratively this week in Buffalo, but similar, it's just up there. But again, would it surprise you that, you know, a three-point underdog, Kansas City go to Buffalo and win that game? It wouldn't surprise you one bit. And there were times this year where you and I both watched the Chiefs and went, boy, they are not as good as they have been. Well, guess what? (laughs) They're two wins away, brother. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. So I'm going to enjoy the NFL weekend. All right, that's it. For Beaver, I'm Matt. All of us here on the show in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Thanks for tuning in. Been a fun, interesting week. We'll line back up, do it again on Monday. Have a great weekend. See you then.